You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Christmas is a time for families to get together. And if there's one thing that can prevent families from connecting, it's screens. Dr. Christy Goodwin is a digital wellbeing expert and mother of three. Hi, Christy. How are you? Well, thanks, Siobhan. So most families listening to Feed, Play, Love will have children who are too young to get completely absorbed in their screens. So I'm thinking that I want to talk to you about the adults mm-hmm. in the house because I reckon we're the ones that get absorbed, sucked into our screens at Christmas time. What do we know or what do you know about the way adults relate to screens? Look, none of us are immune to the digital pool, whether you're dealing with toddlers, teenagers or yourself. Technology has been designed to be psychologically appealing. You know, it captivates us, um, it preys on our psychological vulnerabilities. And in fact, a new study commissioned by Groupon found that 62% of adults wished they were using smartphones and social media less than what they are going to around the Christmas period. I'd say that is for every day as well, but especially Christmas. Um, But how do we actually stop that interaction, that digital pull, especially on a day when we're going to be using our phones to take photos, right? Like most of us use our phones now to take images. Absolutely. So I'm not going to for a moment propose we completely digitally amputate ourselves. I think that would give (laughs) most of us heart palpitations and we'd start to tune out. Um, I'm realistic. So we have to have practical strategies. So if you do want to use your phone, as I will be doing, to capture photos and, you know, those gorgeous moments when your children open the present that Santa has delivered and they don't like it or you bought the wrong size or Santa delivered the wrong gift... And you want that moment, that's right, Um, you want that moment captured, is even just using your uh, phone as the camera tool. So turning it to do not disturb mode, turning it Ah. to airplane mode. So you're not tempted, you're not lured by the alerts and notifications, and it literally is a functional camera tool and nothing else. So you're not missing the moment, you're not missing the opportunity to digitally archive it, but you're not going to be tempted once you unlock it because one of the problems is that those sneaky, beautiful icons, um, Stephen Jobs was apparently quoted as saying he wanted those icons to be so appealing that when you saw them, you wanted to lick your phone. <laughs> so, and again, these colours, the co- the selected colours of Instagram and Facebook are intentionally designed to prey on our weaknesses. So when we do unlock our phone to do something functional like take a photo, seeing that Instagram logo or Snapchat makes it really appealing. So if it's it's used in a way that we're not going to open it, it's going to diminish the likelihood. Disabling alerts and notifications is also another really pragmatic strategy because those alerts and notifications trick our brain into thinking that everything is urgent and important. And if we're not getting them, we're, again, much less likely to be diving into those social media apps and using our phone on on Christmas Day other than capturing those magical moments. So with um, things like Instagram and Facebook, do we know that social media is what we're most drawn to on our phones? Look, I think 
We don't necessarily have the data, but I think anecdotally, most adults would admit that their infatuation with social media and or email, and regardless of the tool, understanding why is really important. Um, These technologies have been intentionally designed and they cater for our three most basic psychological drivers as humans. And the number one need we all have and the reason why social media is so popular and why we love our, our inboxes is because it caters for our psychological need for connection. We are hardwired for relational connection. And so it's only natural, particularly on those Christmas and celebratory periods, that we want to share those moments and look at how other people are sharing those moments. So our natural tendency is to want to um, to connect. The second psychological need that technology caters for is our need to feel competent. And I get to depict via the selected A-roll footage <laughs> that I share on my social media feed, the glorious, wonderful moments of Christmas and the toddler meltdown and the unhappy child who got the wrong gift from Santa isn't uploaded to my social media feed. So we get to feel competent. And the third need that we all have as humans, these are our three most basic psychological drivers, is the need to feel like we're in control. And when it's gone to chaos on Christmas morning and it's only 8am, you don't have sufficient batteries, (laughs) the shops aren't open, having a sneaky peek of social media or checking your phone or looking for the post-Christmas sale information is a form of escapism, but it gives us a, a sense or a locus of control over our lives. So when we understand that, we can see why we do want to reach for our phones. You know, studies have shown that 90% of adults now reach for their phone before their partner first thing in the morning. <laughs> That is horrific. Oh, this one will scare you. 41% of us, and I don't want you to tell me where you sit here, but a 41% of us allegedly engage in a behaviour called toilet tweeting, <laughs> using our phone in the bathroom. So again, you know, we often worry about our kids' screen time, but I think we've got to stop and pause about what models, you know, what role modelling we're doing as adults and start to put in place some forward thinking and some strategies mm-hmm. um, where we digitally disconnect or at least plan, whether it's just Christmas Day, where we plan to make more conscious decisions about disconnecting and reconnecting um, with our family through our real sense of presence. So going back to what you said about those icons being developed so that they're beautiful and colourful mm-hmm. and you just see eye-catching, what strategies can we put in place? Let's just say it's just for Christmas Day or that week. Yep. What can we put in place so that we're not immediately drawn to that because you've already mentioned we can put it on airplane mode and turn off our notifications so that those little alerts aren't coming up but um, I'm pretty sure I've got Instagram and Facebook right there on my phone. (laughs) Do I need to trash the app for a week? Look certainly deleting the app off your phone um, is again much less it's another physical barrier for you to go down that rabbit hole of social media so deleting the app off your phone and obviously reinstalling it when you're ready you might actually find that that moment of digital disconnection, that little mini detox, gives you a refreshing insight into your behaviours. Another strategy, a really simple solution that I have found to not uh, gravitate towards social media is going grayscale changing your screen so that it goes to a black and white mode. I can tell you, Siobhan, scrolling Instagram in black and white (laughs) is just damn boring. (laughs) And so again, we're much less likely to do it. Um, I think also forward planning. um, Groupon are allowing people to make a pledge um, before Christmas and ironically use social media, but to let their family and friends know that they're actually going to take a bit of a screen sabbatical on Christmas Day. So putting some preventative strategies in place, nothing like a bit of public accountability to let your friends family and friends know you won't be on social media on Christmas Day and actually making that public pledge so that when we do comment on things or if we do 
do happen to post something sneaky, somebody is likely to very quickly <laughs> call us out. So, so making that pledge in advance and sometimes even planning what we're going to do. One of the reasons we gravitate towards our phones um, is because it has just become an habitualized behavior. So planning, you know, on Christmas Day, those pockets of white space, maybe you're having the post-lunch nap. Um, maybe you're going to do some, <laughs> some beach cricket. <laughs> Sorry, who's having the post-lunch nap? Remember, we're talking about parents with children under six. That's right. So probably the kids, yes. maybe we're having a nice uninterrupted glass of wine, but planning out that time because yep. often it's those pockets of white space that we now fill through mindless scrolling because we have become unaccustomed to having those moments of digital disconnection. We really have become tethered to our tech in unhealthy ways. So I think planning in advance, going grayscale, disabling those notifications and making a public pledge, letting people know that you will be taking that screen sabbatical. We're kind of assuming that everyone understands that a screen sabbatical can be good for them Mm. because of the stats you mentioned of how many parents wish they used their social media less. But what do we actually uh, mentally get out of taking a break from our technology? Look... So many Australians, in fact, the Groupon study found that 52% of Australians are worried that they're going to spend too much time on social media or on their phones on Christmas Day. And so I think understanding what what it is, exactly what you said, what's the opportunity cost if we are on it and how's it impacting our mental, mental well-being and physical well-being. And what we know, for example, is that if we are constantly on our screens, our brain never gets a moment of solitude. It never gets a moment to, as a computer would need, to reboot. And our brain... we. I often say we have ancient brains trying to operate in a high-tech world. Our brain was never designed to be switched on processing information all of the time. We need opportunities. Neuroscientists call it the mind-wandering or the default mode of thinking. We used to call it daydreaming. I don't know about you, but have you ever had you know that genius idea that drops in when you've been on a flight with no Wi-Fi or you've been for a swim or a run or you've woken up at 3 a.m. in the morning and you come up with a genius solution or an answer to a complex problem? Our brain, our, our frontal lobe, the part of the brain that's the CEO of the air traffic control system, it's had a moment to switch off and it has entered this daydreaming state. We don't have that opportunity anymore. Um, we've had studies done where adults were put in a room and said, just be bored for, for 15 minutes. They had to prematurely end the study because the adults showed psychological distress, <laughs> symptoms of psychological distress. But wait, it gets worse. They went back and they repeated the study. And in iteration two, they gave participants the option of administering a small electric shock in lieu of boredom. 69% of males, 24% of females gave themselves an electric shock in lieu of being bored. We have oh literally Lord. lost the art. And again, because technology has become habitualized, because it's become ubiquitous, and because the boundaries between work and personal life have become so enmeshed and blurred, we're not getting that psychological break. So we really need it for our well-being. Um, our sleep will benefit from it. You know, the whole blue light effect and the, the hyper-aroused state. So there are so many cascading benefits from taking that that screen break, I think for parents, being a really good role model is probably the most powerful benefit and the impetus that we need to sort of curb our digital ways. So I know from our various conversations in the past that um, you are not a completely cold turkey kind of person. You definitely believe in moderation. And it feels to me that the thorniest question for us as parents today is that we have kind of gone blindly into this world with our phones and our social media and everything that we're connected to there. But the world has changed in the process. So even though we've opened our arms and 
let it all come in, it's like we're retrospectively trying to put uh, boundaries back in. Mm. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I do like Instagram. I do like sharing on there. I don't want to be doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. If people do a detox at Christmas time yep. and they like it, but they know that it still is going to be part of their life moving forward, how can you do that in a realistic way? Because I can just see myself trashing the app and then just going... Oh, no, I need it again. And then I'm back to where I was at the start. That's right. Look, I think with any sort of digital detox, I often talk about detoxes in terms of a screen sabbatical. So carving out a nominated period of time. Sometimes this is forced upon people over the Christmas period because you might have an international or interstate flight where there's no Wi-Fi. And so you are forced into having this bit of a, a screen break. But I think what's really important and what works really effectively is that if we go cold turkey or if we go extreme and we just cut everything out, automatically, what happens is we often create a binge and purge cycle. What works really effectively is definitely carving out that detox period or a break, but then when we go back to using the technology intentionally and strategically reintroducing what it is that we need. So evaluating, you know, have I really missed having email removed from my phone? Chances are I probably haven't and I'm much more intentional about being strategic with my time when I open my laptop as opposed to just randomly checking things sporadically on my phone, on my email app. So reintroducing the technology in a way that's intentional and the only way we can figure out how we want to use the technology intentionally is to have moments where we're not using it constantly. If it has become so habitualized, we don't get those moments of critical reflection. So I think, and and again, when you go to that app store and you reinstall that app, there's a lot of pressure to make sure that when you press that button to download it again, that you really want it there. Um, Another little quick strategy I, I meant to mention too, once you do introduce it, be strategic with what's on your home screen of your phone. Having those digital temptations vying for your attention every time you unlock the phone means you're going to get caught. So what I have found works really well for me is dragging those temptations onto about the fifth page of my phone, (laughs) whacking them in a folder called Things I Will Later Regret. So I get a pang of guilt every time I go and do a sneaky Facebook check. But it works really simply. Um, And again, just removing some or creating, I guess, some more friction. That's one of the problems with technology it's become frictionless and then when we do reintroduce it put some of our own boundaries you know we talk to kids about managing how much time they're spending use either if you're an ios user use the screen time function to actually monitor and set limits on your screen use and then if you're a a, um, google user an android user using the digital well-being tool where you can set limits you know how long do you want to get a warning and you can set this up so when you've been on youtube for 20 minutes you can get a warning prompting you so again putting some of those time limits on so that we're not just randomly scrolling scrolling, um, that's the biggest problem with technology for our kids and for us is that we never, ever feel done. Mm. We call it the state of insufficiency. There's never, ever a line of demarcation where I'm done or I'm still going. In the online world, it's a bottomless pit. We Mm. literally never get that sense of being done. So we've got to put those boundaries in place so that we're not spending six hours on Boxing Day making up for the digital (laughs) detox we had on Christmas Day. (laughs) I love it. There is so much great advice there. Christy, thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure. Thanks for chatting. That's Dr. Christy Goodwin. She's a digital wellbeing expert and mother of three. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me. Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.